Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. Richmond is celebrating Gay Pride Month all over the place, and one of the options is Mungays, which features a different film with a queer theme at the Bird Theater every Monday night. Upcoming features include Saturday Church, Paris is Burning, and Pariah. Daniel Day-Lewis is not as tall as Abraham Lincoln was. And so we did have a directive that we could not cast anyone as tall or taller than Daniel Day-Lewis. But I can't tell you how mad tall actors in Richmond were at me. That's Ann Chapman talking about one of the many challenges she's faced in her 30-plus year career as a casting director. On today's show, we'll talk about what aspiring actors should know about auditioning and being in local productions, plus lots more. Sifter Review of the Week. Pistol. Director Danny Boyle launched his distinctive visual style in 1996 with Trainspotting, and he's in top form for this new Hulu series. It's based on guitarist Steve Jones' memoir, Lonely Boy, Tales from a Sex Pistol, and examines the rise and fall of the notorious punk band in 70s London. The creation of the group was spawned by the raucous political climate of the period and the undeniably disruptive influence of Malcolm McLaren, who shaped their image. The performances are gritty, raw, and wonderful, especially Thomas Brody Sangster as the eccentric manager and Anson Boone as Johnny Rotten. Thanks to Boyle, there's an energy that fills each episode with personality clashes and riotous recreations of their songs. Boyle's hyperactive, grungy style creates beautiful dreamlike imagery in saturated colors. The excitement of the period and the band infuses every episode with unruly, unabashed punk pleasure. I gave it five out of five stars. I'm joined today by my fellow judge for the Richmond International Film Festival, Ann Chapman. Welcome to Sifter for the Ear, Ann. Hello. Thank you for having me. In case people don't know, you're probably Richmond's premier casting director for many, many years. And I have to tell you, a story will ring a bell when Mike Henry, who was an actor on Family Guy, and then came back to Richmond and produced a web series. And and I got a call from you, a recording that said, Mike Henry has a part he thinks you'd be perfect for in this series. I called you back. I said, let me guess, the character's a screaming queen, right? (laughs) And that's what you did. You just stuttered. Yeah, well... (laughs) Anyway, I don't know that I'm a screaming queen, but I didn't get the part anyway. Actually, I said I wasn't going to audition. I learned a long time ago that I did not want to act ever again. So anyway. I'm right there with you. I am not a comfortable actor, and I realized pretty quickly there are so many other parts of the industry you can go into. (laughs) Exactly. Speaking of the industry, how did you get into casting? I was always interested in theater and plays, and my undergraduate degree is acting and directing. From where? University of Kansas. Oh, wow. Okay. I grew up in Nebraska. Uh, So I went out of state. I got, (laughs) (laughs) I just was never a comfortable actor, but I love actors and I love the process. My senior year, I was doing one of my directing classes and it was the first time that we were able to have an audition for these scenes. And it was uh, taught by a professor that I, you know, had had for years and I knew him as a professor and I knew him as a director. I had never seen him on the other side when you're not in the room auditioning for him, when right. the conversation is on the other side of the table. 
And it was so amazing. And literally right then and there, I was like, oh, this is where I have always wanted to be. Wow, cool. You got right out of college. I don't think you jumped right into it. Did you or did you? Right out of college, I had already organized to spend a year as an intern in Beijing at the People's Art Theater. And so my mentor was Ying Rochung. And while I was there, a couple of big productions were scouting locations to shoot in China. One of them being Bernardo Bertolucci for The Last Emperor. Um, I got to meet him for a second, which was thrilling. And then the other one was for a film that actually never got made, but Alan Pakula was the director. Footnote. Some of the films that Alan Pakula directed include Sophie's Choice, All the President's Men, The Pelican Brief, and Sterile Cuckoo. He had sent his executive producer to scout, and Ying was her liaison because he was also the vice minister of culture. So he invited me to come along as like a PA, and I hit it off with uh, Susan Solt, who was the producer, and she invited me after China to come work at Pakula Productions to help set up the casting trip for this film that never ended up getting made. Literally, right away, I was in New York working on casting in a very assistant type way. So what was the actual first time that you got to cast something? I started in Extras, and it was a film that people have heard of. It's, <laughs> it was the original Chucky film, Child's Play. <laughs> Footnote. Child's Play was the first of eight films about the killer doll Chucky. So an important question that some of my listeners probably do not know the answer to, and I'm sure you've never been asked this before, what's the difference between a casting director and an agent? Jerry, thank you so much for for even asking that question. I can't even express how cool that is that you asked that question and that you know that there is a difference in that the question needs to be asked. A casting director is hired by the production to find the actors for the project. They are paid by the production and have no financial gain in whatever actor is hired for the production. And a talent agent makes their money off of a percentage of the money that an actor gets paid to act. Right. In my opinion, a talent agent should not be casting. They are representing actors. Sadly, we live in a state where it's not illegal to do both. That's been happening for years. Yes, that's been a controversy for years. It has been a controversy for years. So when I worked in New York and when I worked in Illinois and in California, that is literally illegal. You cannot do both. In Virginia, you can. And so I just want actors to be very aware that certain agencies that they are being represented by are being paid by the production company to cast the film, and then they're taking a percentage from you. In my mind, it's immoral and it's double dipping. You know, you'll hear these people, local, talented, experienced local actors, even SAG, you know, the equity say, I can't get on this movie. I can't get on this movie. And you hear that the, that the directors come in saying, oh, it's Richmond. They don't have any good actors. And then I say, well, wait a minute. Steven Spielberg, you may have heard of him. He <laughs> came to Richmond and he put at least a dozen local actors in speaking parts. Oh, way more than a dozen. I worked on that with Erica. It was almost 40 roles. Wow, wow, wow. You know? And it's like, okay, Steven Spielberg can make it work. Come yes. on, some of you other lesser directors. But anyway, so you mentioned Erica. Who is Erica and what's that relationship? Erica Arvold is, I would say, the premier casting director in the mid-Atlantic and she had a 
15 year career in Los Angeles. And I was living in Virginia and one of my agent friends called me and said, you know, Erica Arvold has moved to Virginia. You should reach out to her. I called her up and was like, do you want to have lunch? So I drove out to Charlottesville. She's based in Charlottesville. And we had a great lunch. And I mean, I think we probably talked for three hours, right? Right, away. right. And she was not aware that there was even an industry in Virginia. Wow. I definitely knew everyone at the film office. And I was like, Erica, do you mind if I introduce you yeah, really? <laughs> to the film office? Because right, I think right, they would right. be ecstatic to know that someone with your experience is living right here in Virginia. And I'm going to say, I'm going to just put this out there. I think that in the last 15 years, the level of projects that we have been able to attract to Virginia has partially been due to Erica's reputation as a casting director and being able to let projects that are coming in from out of town know we have people that know how to take care of them here. Obviously, we have an amazing film office too, but I think Erica is an integral part of that. So Erica and I are best friends. We've collaborated on projects. I've hired her. She's hired me. I've recommended for pro- her for projects. She's recommended me for projects. We've competed against each other for projects, but it's all been in a wonderfully collaborative way. A lot of times when people hear, oh, a movie's coming to town, I'm going to go audition. What would you say is the biggest challenge or thing that people need to know to show up to audition for a movie? That's a really interesting question. I think that when an actor sees a breakdown and sees their character description and, and maybe breakdown gets, is when they have a list of all the characters and what their their age and their all that information. Right. And it's usually maybe only three or four lines. And actors then usually only get, you know, maybe three or four pages of the script. But do the homework about that and be prepared to make choices. And it doesn't matter if it is the wrong choice. I love it when an actor makes a choice. If it happens to not work for that particular scene in that project, then we'll redirect and talk about it uh, in the audition. If I was an extra, I think it was in the late 80s. One time was enough because it's one day and it's pretty tedious and it's it's not glamorous. But what advice would you give somebody if they say, hey, I think I want to come to audition. There's this movie coming to town and I want to be in it. They should very much be aware of what that's going to entail. And in Virginia, a lot of times that's a period piece that's going to be shot outdoors. So it could be 100 degrees and it could be 30 degrees. It's going to be at least a 10 hour day. It is not a short day. And many times it's going to be minimum wage. Literally your call time could be 530 in the morning or your call time could be four o'clock in the afternoon and you're working until four in the morning. So you really have to want to do that, (laughs) (laughs) but you have to be able to keep yourself entertained for hours in a quiet way, which usually means not your phone. So it's usually better if you can keep yourself occupied with reading a book or um, playing with a deck of cards. And one of the reasons that knitting is so (laughs) popular on sets is it keeps you busy it's it's creative and it's quiet right 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 you know it's funny you mentioned that about the weather because a couple years ago there was some period piece here and i think your office called me because they were looking for extras and they said we think you'd be right for this it's a political scene and it's a big party and I'd said, nope, no, thank you. Not interested. And it turns out I read about that like a year later when they were talking about the movie. I don't remember which movie it was, but it was one of the historical pieces and it was in summer and it was everybody in their wool suits. And yeah. I'm like, I am so glad <laughs> I did not sign up for that because that would have been miserable. 
and people do pass out. No joke. People pass wow, out. Yeah. From the heat. And when you are thinking about a period piece from, say, the last century, many times for women, that's going to include a corset. Oh, yeah. And it's even hotter. And I literally know actors that are good at acting in a corset. <laughs> and I know actors <laughs> that... Do you ever get to get on a set? I know that casting obviously happens back in a room somewhere else, but do you ever get to go out on the set and meet the director or see what's happening? We usually ask for a set visit at some point during the production and very much look forward to that. And sometimes you want to ask for it on a day that for a scene that was particularly difficult to cast and you want to see it come to fruition. I'm very aware of my presence with actors. And I think sometimes when an actor sees a casting director on set, they're like, uh-oh, uh -oh. <laughs> 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 who is getting fired? Right, 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 right. And I also know that I have no job on a set. So when I'm there and people are stopping to talk to me and giving me attention, that means that they're getting behind in their day. So, so I'm you very just sit quietly and observe. Yeah, right. exactly. Good for and you. And what I love about casting is it's when all the possibilities are still happening. Yeah. So I love being in the casting realm and then seeing the final piece of art on the premiere, you know, and yeah, skipping yeah. that whole middle bit. You yeah. know, it's interesting you mentioned that about timing. I can't tell you how many times it amazes me. You'll you'll read these in stories about how that somebody was cast in a movie you know, in a decent role the week before the movie started filming. And I'm like, how can they do that? How can they be that unorganized? Have you been in some of those situations where it's like scramble, scramble, scramble? I'm sure you have. I, I have. And I can tell you exactly one. I had worked long and hard on this big film that was in Virginia. And we had many of the roles set. And then another film came to town and it wasn't as big a film, but it had a really big name actor in it. And you're not going to tell us any of these details, are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Go ahead. <laughs> and the New York casting director who came down for this independent film hired my office to have their callbacks. So I'm in my office in the front working on all the deal memos for this film that I had just completed casting. And she's in the back office auditioning actors for roles. And I get a call from an agent, a local agent saying, the actor that you cast in this role is no longer available for this uh. role because they just got cast. And I literally got up out of my chair, <laughs> walked to the end of my office and said, that was your one. <laughs> like, I understand. <laughs> Don't be uh, taking other actors out of the project that we just finished completing. Right. Because it turned out that it was a bigger role for that actor. And sure. I can appreciate why they wanted that. In the long run, because I've seen both films, that role in the second film was cut so much. Okay, they were paid more money because they had more shoot dates, but they would have had better exposure if they had kept the right. initial role. After we stop this recording, I'll get the deal on who those <laughs> shows were, but I know you can't tell me that. Uh, are there any other amazing stories? Of, I'm sure you've got lots because you've been doing it forever, but any interesting or amazing stories about an amazing casting that was a surprise or a last minute thing? or it, Last minute things do happen. And it happens with student films where literally someone ha was in a car accident on the way to set. Wow. And so my go-to for that is always to go back to the list of the actors that were in the callback. 
so that when I'm having to make a phone call to say, are you available? We've had an emergency and we need you on set in an hour and a half. At least they've read the script and have an sure, idea. That's smart. And, yeah. and they can jump right in. So do you know of anything coming up anytime soon, any big show that might be available for casting? It's Swagger's coming back from everything that I have heard. Footnote. Swagger is an Apple TV series based on NBA star Kevin Durant. The first season was shot here from 2019 to 2021. I am deep into VCU summer intensive. I've got 12 projects with VCU, so I am booked through August, so I'm not on the calls for what's coming this summer. But I hear tell from a number of people that things are coming. Now, you mentioned VCU. What is your involvement with VCU? I am adjunct professor, casting professional, casting director in the program, the cinema program. I've also taught semester-long casting course in the theater program as well. So I literally do the casting, like organize all the casting for all the projects. And then I always have assistants on each project. So they are learning the tasks. They're learning Student the assistants. Student assistants. Right. They are the ones as much as possible running the show. I'm always there to step in if they're not comfortable, but what a great place for student directors to learn to direct in the audition space. Every single film that has ever been made in the cinema program has been paid for every single day that they've worked on a set from the very first film we ever made. I think we're at like 170 films at this point. Surprise guest drop in. Someone is ringing my doorbell. Let's see who the surprise guest visitor is. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Oh, yes. (laughs) Hello, Ty Rubin. How are you? Footnote. Ty Rubin Ellingson is the VCU Cinema Director. That's the short version of his title. Before coming to Richmond, he was a distinguished concept designer whose career includes visual effects and conceptual designs for films like Avatar, Jurassic Park, Star Wars A New Hope, Pacific Rim, and Hellboy. Well, thanks for joining us. So how did you first meet Anne, and then uh, how have you all worked together since? I think I met Anne was the very first film professional that I met when I moved to Richmond, Virginia from, from the West Coast. Wow, um, and that was how long ago? That was in 2013. Okay. And I believe that we first met, if I'm not mistaken, at one of the Virginia Production Alliance meetings that I was invited to attend and give a little presentation to. And um, it wasn't until I really came over to the cinema department as the director that Anne was one of the very first faculty to really show a huge amount of support to me uh, in the kinds of thoughts and ideas that I was hoping to bring into the cinema program. Of all the people I've met on the East Coast, she's a true believer in not only the art of filmmaking, but in education. And I think that combination is where the youth, you know, gets its best support is not only somebody that knows how to speak to them and nurture them and mentor them, but also somebody who knows the value of what they're trying to access, the, the, what they're going to want to do with their future. I don't know how you express blushing on audio. <laughs> if my voice is blushing <laughs> right, right, right now. Right. And I very much appreciate and uh, is so nice to hear. So Ty Rubin, you haven't had a chance to work with Anne yet or you have had a chance? Well, we work together very well, but it's so far been in a very kind of social professional manner. I don't have any juicy tidbits about her. Oh, uh, darn. She's always buttoned up and ready to go. She's one of the more organized people I've met here in Virginia. So my stories are all going to be a glowing review of Anne. So that's great. I can 
provide any uh, comic relief. And what I've known about Anne is that she's always reliable, always ready to give a little extra for the project. And she understands the value of her role and the service that her role brings to student learning and, and the success of films. And that kind of self-awareness and the ability to on-demand perform is what makes successful systems operate. And a movie is one kind of system and a classroom is another. And when you bring them together, you're, you're managing two systems simultaneously. And Anne seems to have the ability to just, you know, move back and forth and understand the larger picture. So it's just always a pleasure to, to work with her, reach out to her. And, I, and she's always been the most reliable ally that I could imagine having. Terrific. She's blushing again. She's rolling her eyes. (laughs) Well, before she blushes and loses all of her blood, Ty Rubin, we better let you go. But thank you so much for joining us today. And Anne, I'm sure you want want to say any final words to him? Thank you so much, Ty Rubin. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. Thanks again, Ty Rubin, for dropping in. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And I know one of the projects you did for VCU Cinema was Macbeth Unhinged. What's the story behind that? What happened was Turn was shooting in Richmond. Footnote. Turn was a series about the American Revolution. It was shot in Virginia from 2014 to 2017 and ran for four seasons on AMC. Angus McFadgen had a great role in Turn, but he had many days where he wasn't on set, but he was in Virginia. And he reached out to a local actor who was a stand-in on set and said, I imagine you have universities here that have film programs. And so she set us in connection with one another. And Angus, who is a screenwriter, had no joke. I think he had like 33 scripts ready to go. He was like whatever script would be right for the program. Nothing about it was easy. It was 35 millimeter. And we ended up buying a limousine (laughs) because a lot of it took place in a limousine. It was set in present day at that time. But the, the students who worked on it really just learned so much. And it premiered at the Edinburgh Film Festival and a bunch of VCU students got to go to Edinburgh who had worked on it. Now it's just getting distribution eight years later. So it'll open in the States next month. So I know you just got back from London and you go over there a lot. And I see the WC on the wall behind you there for water closet. What's your connection with England? I was very lucky. My dad did a sabbatical there when I was young. So I got to live there at a very impressionable age. And it was just very Mary Poppin-esque, you know. So, But what have you been doing there lately? Because you, be, you go there regularly. I do. I do. Um, My husband went to get his MBA there at London Business School. My kids were born there. We lived there for a long time. So it's basically just for love. You're not working at all when you're there. No, I am working while I'm there. I'm, I'm a member of BAFTA. Footnote. BAFTA stands for British Academy Film Awards, their version of the Oscars. And I was a visiting scholar to Cambridge 2018, 2019 for their MPhil in screen studies. When you're watching theater at that level, that is work that, you know, you're understanding what the standard is. And I work on a lot of juries. I have to say it's home to me. You know, I've spent so many years there. I'm very, very, very comfortable there. Well, now you talk about being on juries, and I know you and I share the role of on the grand jury for the Richmond International Film Festival, and we had a discussion in our last meeting, and I wanted to bring this up because it's a very interesting point. 
casting as an award opportunity. I know there's the Casting Society of America has the Artios Awards. Is that how you pronounce it? Artios Awards. But how do you feel about that? Do you think that should be something that Oscars and everybody should have for casting and why? Yes, I do. And the Academy is the only major organization that does not have a casting award. You're talking about the Motion Picture Academy. Yes. Right. And hysterically, the president of the Motion Picture Academy is a casting director wow. <laughs> right now. And we are at the end of a five-year study where they're thinking, can there be an award for this? You know, it is a craft. It is an art. The amount of work that a casting director does before those options are put forward for the producer and the director and the ultimate decision makers So you have to be sort of very much on the same page, literally on the same page with your director and your producer, because you have to meet the creative needs of the director and the practical needs of the producer. So they have to trust the thousands of decisions you've made before they see the final 10 people. Top Gun, which has just come out. Obviously, Tom Cruise was attached. So there are sometimes, obviously, when you know I've got this actor, but then you have to cast around, is that person going to be short enough to work with Tom Cruise? Exactly. We're all aware that Daniel Day-Lewis is not as tall as Abraham Lincoln was. Footnote. And worked on casting for Spielberg's Lincoln, which starred Daniel Day-Lewis. And so we did have a directive that we could not cast anyone as tall or taller than Daniel Day-Lewis. I've since heard that the reason that Daniel Day-Lewis, he wasn't being a prima donna. He wanted to be in the headspace of Abraham Lincoln, who did not know anyone that was as tall as he was. Towered over everybody, right. Yeah, but I can't tell you how mad tall actors in Richmond were at me. (laughs) The number of emails and phone calls that I got from tall actors who were not being called in to audition. Has there ever been a time where you said, this is the perfect actor for this role, and the director says, eh, not loving it? It does happen, and it's something you have to get used to really quickly in casting that you are not the ultimate decision maker. This is the way that I've processed it. I am an opportunity giver for actors, and I'm hoping that if they're not cast in the role, the director and the producer is now aware of their work, and if this isn't the right project, another project we'll get to work together with. Well, and that's a perfect way to end this interview. But I have to ask you the question I always ask everybody, what are you watching right now? I love a period piece. And so I have really dug into The Great. I think The Great is oh, wow. yeah, okay. amazing. I, I love The Great. Footnote. The Great is a completely updated take on the story of Russia's Catherine the Great, starring Elle Fanning with Nicholas Holt as Peter III. It's on Hulu. Well, that does it for us, and hopefully people will be hearing about some of these projects coming up, and maybe they'll even see your name in the credits. Maybe. (laughs) Thank you so much, Anne. It's great to talk with you. You as well. Thank you for inviting me. That was Anne Chapman, Richmond's prominent casting director. A link to her website is included on her podcast page at tvjerry.com. Coming soon in theaters. Jurassic World Dominion takes place four years later when the dinosaurs live and hunt all over the world. Benediction explores the life of World War I poet Siegfried Sassoon. Block Party. A woman discovers that her grandma has dementia, but she stages her Juneteenth block party anyway. TV and streaming. On the 8th, Hustle on Netflix is the latest from Adam Sandler, who plays a scout for the Philadelphia 76ers. It's already in the theaters. The Janes on HBO Max, a documentary about the Jane Collective, a group who helped women get abortions in Chicago before Roe vs. Wade. 
Ms. Marvel on Disney Plus, Iman Vellani plays a Pakistani-American teen in New Jersey who gets her own origin story. On the 9th on Peacock, Queer as Folk, the latest revival featuring a more diverse cast and taking place in New Orleans with guest stars Juliette Lewis and Kim Cattrall. On the 10th, For All Mankind, season three of this Apple series takes place in 1995 and Mars is the target. First Kill on Netflix, a love story between a teen vampire and a vampire hunter. Trees of Peace, also on Netflix, based on the true story of four women who were trapped during the Rwanda genocide of 1994. Also on Netflix, the final season of Peaky Blinders before the movie version. And on PBS, David Bowie, Serious Moonlight, documents the singer's 1983 tour. On the 12th, Dark Winds on AMC Plus, a psychological thriller based on Tony Hillerman's Leaphorn and Chi books. Becoming Elizabeth on Stars follows the ascent of Elizabeth Tudor. On the 14th on Netflix, Halftime, a documentary about Jennifer Lopez. Next week, we meet a local filmmaker who's now in L.A. gearing up for his next movie. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.